Welcome to The Coaching Question. This is a podcast for people who want to know more about coaching, how and when to use it, and really what they're all about. Thanks for listening as you join me, Gregor Finlay, and my colleague Sarah Turner, two executive coaches, for an honest conversation. And in today's episode, we talk to Anna Karas Wilson, who is a co-founder of Frank Partners, and they are actors who work in organisation. And I was really interested in listening to the interview that you did, Gregor, because in my kind of time when I've worked in HR, I've, I've brought in actors to help facilitate and to run and to, to bring about learning. And so I suppose I was a little bit curious about how how we would make this connection between actors and coaching but actually listening to the conversation that you had I just think there's so much there's such a close synergy between the way that Anna might work as as I think she described herself as a an actor facilitator I think she's probably also done some coach training so she she really brings a lot of coaching approaches to the work that she's doing in organizations and I think that us as coaches can learn a lot from hearing her talk and there's a lot of parallel between the work that she might do in organisations and the work that we might do with individuals. Yeah, and I just, from my experience, I love working with actors. I get a lot out of, you know, I've got a lot out of working with it and learned a lot as a coach. And so mm. that's why I wanted to, to speak to Anna. It wasn't, I didn't have a really strong belief, this is what I want to get out of it. I just knew there was mm. stuff there. Yeah, yeah, and there definitely was. There definitely was. So let's listen to the conversation and we'll come back at the end. Okay. I am very happy to be joined by Anna Karis Wilson. And Anna is one of the founders of Frank Partners, which she founded alongside Neil Bett in 2010. And like all of the Frank team, is a professional actor by background and training. And Anna works with clients like Nike, Vodafone, Dyson, Burberry, News UK. And they create bespoke programs that help people communicate better. And I think we first worked together at GSK and then Tesco's. I think so, Gregor. It's really nice to be here. Thanks for inviting me. Yeah, and it's a, it's a little bit different because I think when people think about working with actors, it's not really a coaching thing. You know, not often coach with actors. But I'm thinking about the people we work with in terms of other coaches and we work with people who commission coaching. They're often in learning and development. and I thought it would be useful for those people to know what it's like to work with actors because I'm a huge fan. And, you know, quite often we might be working, especially if we're working in support of a leadership development program, people might say, what are the themes you notice? We might have an organization, for example, we notice a theme where people are not very good at having challenging conversations, performance conversations. And that's something I've worked with you and I've seen the most amazing transformations occur and you mentioned you'd listened to one of our other podcasts on the great training robbery yes I did (laughs) yeah and actually what I what I noticed was that kind of awful statistic about how ineffectual quite a lot of training is and I think there is something about bringing actors into a training environment that enables people to see stuff in action, to interact, to see energy. And and actually, I think in a lot of training that doesn't have actors, the kind of more traditional PowerPoint, chalk and talk, flip charts, 
I think it, it gives people information, but it doesn't enable them to practice it and get under the skin of it and see behaviors and discuss it with your colleagues and try things out. So I think there's something really rich about bringing actors in. And can I just say, first of all, Gregor, that it's not all actors because some actors are bloody awful at this stuff. And I've seen <laughs> it. I don't just mean, oh, we're great. I just mean not every actor can you know, wants to do this stuff or is actually able to do it. Yeah, well, I, I think what I would say is that if you haven't experienced, if anybody is out there in the LND or HR community and they've not experienced working with some people like Frank Farners, they need to go and do it. I don't know if you do any experiential stuff, you know, to, you know, test their stuff because there is something about, you know, getting a new skill, we, we might call horizontal development but then changing who you're being is a vertical development thing now what is a truly astounding is that you will brief an actor who can do this sort of stuff and you'll brief them for less than two minutes and then you'll they'll say oh shall we start and you're thinking no no i need to brief you some more and they'll go, no no I've, I've got enough and you're going there's no way that you can do this but then you start what in most parlance would be called a role play and suddenly there's this person who's pushing all of your buttons in exactly the same way that the real person would be pushing it. And it's like, oh, my God, you're really here. <laughs> and, and you're not ready for it. You're not ready for how is this actor doing this? And suddenly you have got what might take months or years worth of effort is concentrated down into this little, little segment of practice. It's safe. And so it's worth, to me, it's worth every penny. It's worth that extra bit that you're paying to work with actors as opposed to work with trainers. Yeah. And I think what you're saying there, Gregor, about safe is really important. So I think the design of the day is really important, whether we come in alongside another company, whether we, we're running it ourselves, but helping people to feel safe with us is part of the whole beginning of the day. And we might use something before we do in, we go into case play or practice session or role play, whatever we want to call it. Because unless people feel safe, they won't trust us. Yeah. Uh, so we, we kind of make sure that kind of work is a little bit further into the day. But you're absolutely right. Those moments where... And it happens a lot where people go, oh, my God, I thought you were her or I thought you were him or how did you know that they said that? Yeah. <laughs> and, and that, you know, your face is so funny because it's that kind of pushing of the buttons that you do because what you're being described in the introduction by the person you're with is behaviour. And once you know the behaviour that is pushing their buttons, as an actor, you know, you've spent years absorbing behaviour because that's what your job is about so you can you can really quite quickly access that. So they might say, oh, you know, this is somebody who who talks a lot, who who doesn't listen or who talks over me. And those little bits of information you can play out really quickly. And I think we are also going to talk about impro a bit later on, but that's one of those things that in those few moments of of briefing that as an actor you can pick up. I there's something there which is very similar between the way an actor works and the way a coach works, which is a coach is always concerned with creating a safe space first. Mm. So I challenge a lot, but I'll only challenge once I know that they know that they're safe. Mm. The client knows that they're safe, so therefore I can challenge. I won't, I won't try and challenge straight away. Yeah. You, know, yeah. you, you have to get the trust first. Yeah. Um, yeah. I remember one guy in particular, I, we, we 
couldn't quite get that relationship right. And it wasn't until the past the third session until I really started challenging properly. And it's the yeah. same thing. You have to judge that as a as an actor facility. Yeah, absolutely. And, and interestingly, we we finished a piece of work with a company yesterday, and it was a because we're in COVID. Instead of it being a one day session, it was four sessions over four weeks. And the third session was a a one to one coaching session with each person in the team. And one of them said yesterday on the final session, she said, I said things in that coaching session that I would, I would never, you know, say to even people I know quite well. And I think it's because although we're strangers, they trust us and we mm-hmm. build that trust quickly. And I think as actors, when you go into working on a show, for example, you have to create that bond very quickly. So literally, you know, by lunchtime on the first day, you probably know the cast pretty well. That's what you're doing in the training room. You're creating a, a, an atmosphere of trust. And it is real trust because when you're on stage with other, another actor, you have to trust them. You have to trust the lighting person and the director and the person who's going to come on next and rescue you. You know, you have to trust those people because you're in front of hundreds of people in the audience and you need them. Yeah, I think there's, there's two things coming up for me there. Is one is, as an actor, when you're doing, when you're being the other person, they know that that's not you. So when the, you are being you, it's like, not you, you. And actually, that's, that's a bit of a godsend, you know, compared to when I'm, a, I'm being me the whole time. But actually, being able to me and not me, that's, I, I would have to think about that some more. Yeah. On that point, Gregor, you know, often we say to, to people at the beginning of the, of the case play or practice session, we'll say, you know, I'm not going to do an impersonation of, you know, Brian or Sandra or Kim, but I'm going to take on some of their behaviours. So it's not like we're doing a kind of, you know, a Frank Spencer impersonation. And, and that's really important because they might say, I remember what somebody once said to me, you're a five foot Glaswegian thug who swears all the time. So I, I imagined all those things. I'm, you know, I'm five foot 11, so I'm quite tall. I'm a woman and I'm not from Glasgow. So I didn't do the accent. I, I'm not the same. I don't, I, I'm, I'm not the same height and, and I'm not a bloke. But within a minute, the person I was right, I was working with, because I was swearing and, you know, doing all the other things they told me, go, my God, you're just like him. And yeah. it was such a great compliment. But all I'm doing is absorbing the information that they're giving me so that, they get the chance to to really practice. How can I deal with this? How can I deal with this swearing and this person who really flies off the handle? And once we're in the conversation, then what we can do is stop and start to give the client a chance to try it again, get some feedback, try it again. And that's what you don't get in real life. A, you don't get a chance to practice and B, you don't get a chance to stop it and say, help, I don't know what to do at this moment. There's so much swearing going on with this particular person. I don't know what to do. And then you've got your colleagues around you because you're working in a smaller group, three or four people who can jump in and say, oh, well, this is what I'm noticing. This is what you're doing really well. And this is something I think you can think about doing a bit more of. And I, from the from from playing the character, can say, do you know what? This is what's going on for me. This is how you're making me feel. It may not be how you're making him feel, but this is how you're making me feel. I'm not getting a chance to say anything. All your questions are closed. You're not making eye contact. So I'm feeling like this. Yeah, that's true. I'd forgotten about that, that you're a rich source of data because you, there is a thing that, that actors do in terms of it's a real gestalt thing, this use of self, and this is what's going on for me. This is the experience I have. So that people can actually relate to that. 
Yeah. And you can do, but something you said earlier, you do realize there's a whole bunch of people listening to this who may not know who Frank Spencer is. <laughs> oh my God, I've aged myself completely. <laughs> do you want to explain? <laughs> oh, uh, Frank Spencer was uh, a sitcom <laughs> character in the 1970s. I am 95, Gregor, as we all know. Yeah, yeah yes. I, I'm not going to – I've got no idea how old you are, Anna. I'm not going to ask. There was something else that came up was I, re, I realised I learned from actors, which is the sort of feedback you give mm. when uh, – this wasn't from frat partners. This was working with another actor. So the sort of feedback you give to someone when you're doing presentation training is very different from the normal type feedback somebody might give in business. Mm-hmm. It's a very, so we might, you work a lot around communication, so be push mm-hmm. and pull. And mm-hmm. what I find is like, you get lots and lots of people that are very good at push, mm-hmm. you know? So if you think, think about see, hear, speak, they're very good at the speak, but they're not very good at the see, hear. But we also yeah. get people who are not very good at the speak they're very good at the see here, but they're not very good at pushing their own yeah. agenda. Yeah. And I really learned from, and I'm very much a see here, but not very, not so good at the speak. Mm. And it was talking with another actor, and they were talking about when you're doing a, say, in a production of Chicago, there's a very certain way that Fosse wanted people to, to dance. Mm. And as the weeks go by, people introduce their own things. And suddenly it stops becoming a fussy production. It starts going off the rails. So the director has to be very direct Mm. and say, I like this. I don't like this. I want you to do this. Yeah. And that simple framework of I like, I don't like, I want. Yeah. I found incredibly useful for those people that are good at doing see here, but not very good at doing speak. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And it's interesting that you mention, you know, a style. So this is slightly probably off the point, but, you know, actors are, you know, a a jobbing actor is required to do all sorts of different things. It might be a musical. It might be, you know, straight Shakespeare. It might be working with the company doing training. There's, There's so many things. So you're you're continually flexing your your muscles. But you're also and I think to your point about, for example, doing a presentation, we look at it from how how are you really connecting with your audience? What is the point of you doing that presentation rather than if you're using slides, sending them a bunch of slides or sending them a document? What's the added value of you standing up or sitting there on Zoom, whatever it is, giving that information? And how are you how are you really connecting? So we are big advocates of Patsy Rodenberg and her work. I was, I was going to say, because I came across Pat, Patsy Rodenberg after we worked with each other. Hi. So I've never, I'd never seen Patsy Rodenberg's mm-hmm. circles of influence, but yeah. I, I've given that to so many clients. Yeah, it's terrific stuff. And, and I think once you understand, I mean, they're, 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 it's not a difficult model. You know, there's three circles. And if you work in circle two, you're not only kind of giving like the kind of push thing but you're pulling back you're giving up giving out energy and you're pulling it back and and good actors on stage will be doing that they'll be performing and and giving out to the audience but they'll also be pulling energy back from the audience and I think in a coaching situation as a coach it's you know you may not be saying much but your your kind of your attention is as you know is so important and I've just been um, working with Mitzi Ryman and she she does a lot of work. Sorry, it's the, it's the Nancy Klein work. So I've been working with right. Mitzi, which comes from Nancy Klein to um, 
time to think and creating a thinking environment. So that generative attention that you give as a coach and that connection, that circle two that you're in, it's not about the words you say, it's about the attention that you're giving and, and, and the listening that you're doing. And that is creating an environment where somebody can think and somebody can reflect and you know have those ideas come in waves all that lovely stuff that coaching does i'll put patsy roderberg's youtube video into the show notes because yeah, if anybody hasn't seen it i love yeah. the way she talks about the, the the star who's in in circle three getting the actor that's getting all the accolades because they're in circle two getting them fired <laughs> because they're getting all the accolades <laughs> Yeah. And it's and, and I think it's what's so lovely about it is it helps you to understand that, you know, if you're somebody who mainly might be operating in or have a preference for circle one, which is where your energy is coming in, you know, when you do do a presentation, you might kind of fly up into circle three, which is very push and kind of jazz hands. It's too much, yeah. It's too much. And you just, and it's a bit like, you know, circle three is very much like kind of hairspray. It's, the spray is going everywhere, but you're not really connecting. So, you know, circle two is is work. It's it's harder work than the other two circles because you are really present and you're yeah. really working with the energy. But, but so uh, pre-COVID, I go up to Waterloo, go into London, and go through into Waterloo Station, and you can just see people who go circle three, circle three, <laughs> circle one, circle one. Oh, circle two. Yeah, and, and and it's really interesting. You can just see where people are and their circle yeah. of influence. You go, hmm. Looks like circle one, but it's really circle two. And, you know, yeah. it's, it, it's it's really really interesting to see that. So, two things we did thought we thought we might talk about was mm-hmm. improv. Yeah, and one of the things I was saying to you before we were speak, you know, before we we're recording, is if I'd never done improv, I wouldn't have realised that all coaching is essentially improv. You mm. do not know what's going to turn up. But if I hadn't known about improv, I'd still, I would probably still be trying to do it right. Yeah, yeah. You know, do it the right way rather than the way that people turn up. Yes. And and the way that, again, going back to circle two, the way that people turn up is the presence. That is, that is where we are. So I think what having an understanding of improv does, it enables you to build. So there's a kind of classic, which I'm sure many people who are listening are familiar with, which is improvisation is hugely based on yes and Mm. so accepting an idea and building on it and yet if you listen to a lot of conversations in business you'll hear a lot of yes but or no but yeah but and that's really it's really defeating because no well very rarely do ideas come fully formed they need other people's input and if an idea is kind of you know, broken into the moment it's come out of your mouth in a meeting. It's just a tragedy, really, because we're not getting really good ideas out there. And then people stop, you know, presenting ideas because they've got not, not had a chance to see them grow. So yes, and not only with ideas, but in conversations, in coaching, is an absolute kind of, you know, foundation of, of improv. I, I think if anybody is out there on L&D or HR and they've never had an improv session they mm. need to get someone like you in to run a, a yeah. session on yes and just so they can understand yeah. the power of it yeah because it is it's astoundingly powerful 
Well, it's a what? bit like somebody shakes your brain up and your body and kind of goes, you don't have to run, you know, you don't have to walk down this parallel lines for the rest of your life. You can have, you know, you can go in lots of different directions. Your brain can go in lots of different directions. Your body can move differently. But, you know, we become very fixed. And But, yeah, if you watch kids in the playground running around, they do this game, they do that game, they're talking to this person, they're like Yeah, they're continually in yes and. They haven't totally. learned no but yet. Totally. I don't know why, but last night I was thinking about my, my playground at my junior school where, you know, there'd be one lot of people who said, would be running around saying, who wants to play Cowboys and Indians and who wants to build a den and who wants to play football and in one playtime, you probably do seven different things, but you just you just see people rushing around or in corners chatting. It's it's why don't we do that anymore? Why, where where did we lose that ability to play? Yeah, I, I can't remember what it's called. There's a video about the um, spaghetti and marshmallow game. Okay. Um, which is you? I think you get six pieces of spaghetti and a marshmallow and a can and some cellar tape, and who can build the, the tallest tower? Okay. And uh, when you compare, the worst people are people who are um, MBA students. Mm. And the best people are school kids. Yes. And yeah. the, uh, the MBA students are really bothered about looking good and doing it right. Uh-huh. And so there has to be a right way. Whereas yeah. the kids are still in full improv mode and, and there's no such thing as a bad idea. Yeah. Whereas the, there is lots of things are bad ideas by yeah. the time you're in, an MBA student. Yeah. However old you are. Uh, so improv is definitely a thing I think any coach uh, can really learn from actors. Yeah. I think that's one of the coaching skills we can really pick up on from actors. Yeah. And just thinking of that that game, so a similar thing, and this is, I must uh, I must credit Alan Heap at Purple Monster, who is a, a really uh, amazing guy that I work with. Purple Monster is still going and they're a fantastic company. He taught me a game, which is, it's a leadership game, where, but it came from a children's game. And there's, there's an empty chair and everybody in the group is sitting on chairs, but around the room. And there's a person who's not sitting down. And they walk across the room and the idea is that they sit on the empty chair. And the job of the rest of the group is to keep filling that chair. But of course, once somebody moves, another chair is empty. So I think the the most that a group of adults have done is about 58 seconds before that chair is, is you know, the person who's walking across the room is sat down in a, an empty chair. The record for children is six minutes. Yeah, no surprise. Because the adults never think it and they go like, here's the strategy. You're going to move to here and you're going to move to here. Whereas the kids are much freer form about it and kind of squealing with delight about it because it's such fun. Yeah. And we've just got to have that, that let go. Mm-hmm. And then um, that spirit of play, I suppose, must have been something you must have pulled into. Because when we were talking before, yeah, like all of your stuff before, before yeah. COVID, was mm. all face to face. Yeah. Oh, yeah. very experiential. And when COVID came along, your business your business model was kaput. Yeah, absolutely. And and I think I think we had one one program that we did virtually, and and probably it was I think ninety ninety eight percent of our of our income stream was face to face. So, uh, you know, as with everybody who's listening to this, will will appreciate and have done gone through the turmoil of how do we how do we go online? How do we how do we keep going because we've got you know neil and i neil bet and i run the company together and we have 30 35 associates who work with us they're not our employees but obviously we want to try and keep everybody employed 
So we spent the first few months of lockdown redesigning our programs to try and find a way of keeping the energy that we have, keeping the interaction and making it making it have an impact. So actually making it stuff that works. And interestingly, you know, I think my mindset, to be really honest, was, oh, God, I hate online. It's not going to work. You didn't, th- you didn't think you could do that level no, two influencing no, online, no. did you? I didn't. And and I was very, I've, I've always been, no, we must do this face-to-face work. You know, if it's possible, we do it face-to-face. And I think it was, I think an upside of COVID for me is it's made me realise that actually there is stuff you can do online that really works. Coaching works. I'm sure lots of people have experienced that who are listening to this. But also things like case play, role play, it really works. And for some people, it works better because they find working at home a safer environment than being in a training room. So for some people, it even has an, a kind of an added bonus. I think where we, what we miss, of course, is the energy of a room yeah. um, because we love the chat, we love the humanity of it, we love the energy. So I think, you know, in the future, they'll probably be more blended. But I think we've worked in pe- with people in different parts of the world that we wouldn't have an o- had an opportunity to travel to. So places like Japan and Korea, and that's been fantastic. Yeah, I'm, I'm just thinking, because I remember, and I'm sure it was one of your programs, mm-hmm. that you put the seats back to back. So you, you would cut off the data. So it was like a phone call. Yes, we did. We did. And so now we don't even have to do that. <laughs> Yeah, but, but it's, it's interesting, quite a lot of coaches report that some of them do more intimate work yes. on the phone rather than video because yeah. the clients feel safer to express yeah. themselves just over the phone. Yes, yeah. So I think sometimes you can get a stronger level two connection. Yeah, yeah. And I think the other thing that we've noticed is that, you know, whereas we would have done a day-long program, now we might do that day in four four slots, four chunks, four, yeah, yeah, four chunks of an, maybe an hour and a half, two hours. And for some people, they really like the time in between to practice, to reflect, and that brings a different kind of richness to the group that you're working with. Yeah. So, yeah, pros and cons, really. Yeah. <laughs> I, look, I, I mean, I've really, really appreciated this conversation. I just wanted to. I, I thought I, there's something here. I would like to talk to. To Anna, because mm. it's not one of our normal things to talk mm. about actors, but I think it gets put more in the bailiwick of training. Mm. But to me, it is closer to coaching because you are actually coaching people in a certain space. Yeah, I think that's I think that's true, and I think for coaches, there's something about actors are a kind of like a commodity that you can add in to training because they're good at playing people but i think we add something else which is which is the kind of the the kind of humanity of the room the fact that we're working alongside somebody and supporting them and helping the, them to become a better coach and i think a book can only give you so much but being in a room and having that that kind of support and generosity and kindness around you it can. I think it can really help develop coaching. So what I'm thinking about mm. from this conversation is there are instances where I will, um, so Peter Hawkins is very keen on, well, let's rehearse a conversation. Mm. Um, and I've rehearsed conversations with clients and I reckon I'm a reasonably good, I didn't do all the, you know, I didn't do all the wow. training that you did, mm. but it never entered into my head before 
that I could phone up and say, Anna, could you could you do half an hour with mm. this person? Yeah. And then for to pay for just half an hour or an hour for you, just so they could rehearse a particular mm-hmm. conversation with yeah. their partly psychotic tendency <laughs> and narcissist boss. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You, you know, that's a yeah. it's a really dangerous conversation for them to have. Yeah. But yeah. they still want to have the conversation. It would be more reliable for them to have that practice conversation with you than to have them with an untrained me. Mm. And mm. I never thought of that as an opportunity, and it actually is an opportunity. Yeah, I think it is. And, I, and and in some ways, the current situation has made that even more possible, probable to happen because, you know, having half an hour of somebody's time is much easier than now to do it on Zoom or whatever platform you want to use and to kind of have a real sense that that person is with you in the same room and that you can practice. Yeah, brilliant, Anna. Well, practice, what well, oh. I say, practice makes better. Pra- tra- yeah. Practice definitely makes better. It's been yeah. brilliant having a chat with you. Oh, I've loved it, Gregor. Thank you. Really nice to see you again. And thank you for inviting me. Cheers. Take care. So, what were your thoughts? I think that was a brilliant conversation. So much to learn from Anna. And uh, she sounded like lots of fun. I'd quite like to meet her, actually. I mean, I think there's the, the bit, my biggest takeaway is the playfulness and the opportunity to create that safe space to bring out there kind of, you know, in, in coaching, we often talk about what's happening out there in the organization and how can we work in here in the room with the coach and the coachee to kind of work through whatever, whatever the, the client wants to work through. And there's some real value there in the idea of practice, of playfulness, of improvisation, of trying things out, of getting feedback. So yeah, I, I think there's, there's an awful lot there that, that we can learn as coaches from how actors might approach that sort of work. Yeah, I think the attitude of improv, I use a lot. I think of every coaching session as an improv session because mm, oh, yeah. you've got no idea what's going to turn up. No. Um, so you have to accept the ask. And, and she said at one point, all she's doing is absorbing the information they're giving me. Yeah. And, you know, I, I, that's a very coaching attitude. Yeah. But I did think it was it was also, remember doing some sessions with actors and this uh, reflecting, this is how you're making me feel. Mm. And I'm not sure if all coaches contract around being able to give that feedback mm. in terms of this is how you're making me feel. But and again, being very wary of the projections that are in there at the same time. Yeah. So great conversation. Thank you for doing that one. I, there was a couple of things in there. I think I mentioned uh, Peter Hawkins talking about rehearsing conversations. And I think, again, something we can learn from actors. But he's talking about if there's a conversation that needs to be had, Let's have it. Yeah, which is that? Which is a playfulness, isn't it? It's the bringing out there in here. Yeah, and I said I'm going to play this character, and so maybe we just need to maybe ask some of those questions about what their yeah. behaviours are. Not try to be an actor, but just so we can have a, a give a, a really a more realistic practice of that conversation that needs to happen, so people can get familiar with what's going to go on, and they can get feedback. And we've and also we talked about this in other um, podcasts, but you've also got the perceptual positions that NLP practice where the client themselves, you know, switches roles. So again, I think it's all about this this playfulness, this practice, trying things out in a safe space and seeing what learning is that there is. I hadn't thought about it, but you using that word playfulness, it is about having an attitude of playfulness, even though you may be talking about really serious topics. Uh, heart you can still be playful you can still play with it 
and one of the things I love about coaching, and I often talk about this with clients, is you know I don't have an agenda in that coaching session. Like you say, it's improv, right? And so actually, there is no right or wrong. Let's let's just give this a go. Let's try it. Let's try it out. Let's have a little practice. Have a little play. It's a bit like playing in the sandpit as kids. There are no rules. Let's just see what comes up as we work through this. And that, and I I think that's quite liberating. So another thing that uh, Anna talked about was. And um, when people are presenting stuff, mm. asking this question, what's the point of you giving the presentation? Yeah. I, you know, I, I would do quite a lot of presentation coaching, but that's a really good coaching question. Yeah. What is the point of you giving the presentation? Yeah. You know, beyond technique, beyond anything else that's that's happening. I yeah. just thought that was a really fantastic coaching question. Yeah. Great. I hope everyone enjoyed listening to that one. Yeah, um, I certainly enjoyed the conversation and hopefully people got a lot out of it. And I think part of my wanting to do the interview was for those those of our listeners who are in HR, L&D, basically if you haven't used actors, um, really consider it because you do get a hell of a bang for your buck, I think. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Well, we didn't have three tips at the end, but um, hopefully people got a lot of benefit out of that conversation and uh, we'll see you next time. I'm sure they will. Great. So thank you for taking the time to listen to this show. We really appreciate your feedback and we'd love to hear your questions. So please do email us on info at thecoachingquestion.com if you've got any questions for us or even any topic suggestions that you'd like us to cover. And please do help us. Give us a rating on iTunes or your preferred podcasting or video platform because it really helps us to spread that word to a wider audience. Look out for our next episode. We look forward to speaking to you then. Cheers. Bye-bye.